This is Andy Perrault for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by super lightweight prospect Dalton Smith over Zoom. Dalton, first and foremost, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks Andy. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Obviously, it's been, what, probably about a month or so since we, we lasted our interview over Zoom. Um, it wasn't yeah. really as hot, but I remember you was enjoying the weather back then. How have you found so, you know, your time off since? Um, it's not been too bad, you know, just, um, you know, I was chilling out. It's obviously after the fight, I boxed in March. So I just chilled out, had a bit of downtime for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, just do, um, just staying active, really, keeping the keeping the brain active. Obviously, going back into the gyms and that now, for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been able to get the fighters back out there into the gyms. How have you found being able to actually, you know, have not just sessions with your dad, but seeing the other feathers who train with yourself? Yeah, it's just nice, I think. Most of all, it's just nice to get back into the routine, you know, being the being the gym with the lads, and you know, it's just nice to start getting back fit again and make make sure we're not getting too fat. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, Dalton, you you got you finally got some fight news to announce. You'll be on the first Matchroom Fight Camp show. Talk to me about that and exactly how exactly you know Eddie put it to you that he wanted you to be on the first show. Yeah, so we. You know, they come back to us and says, "Oh, we'll try and get you on one of the fight camps." But we're only putting fifty-fifty fights on, and obviously, it's only early on in my career, um, up to my sixth fight. So, um, you know, I was originally meant to fight a kid from Manchester, but that fell through. And then Nathan Bennett called me out on um, Twitter. That was so um, we got straight on Twitter and was like, um, "You know, if, if if everything's right, then we'll make that fight happen." How do you feel, obviously, you know? Been having it put to you that you have to have a 50-50 fight because there's obviously going to be only a, a few fights on the card because of restrictions. So everybody needs to effectively impress and need to make sure the fans are going to be happy with what they see. Do you feel the pressure going into a fight where you're not actually exactly you know as much of a favourite as you would have been in your previous fights? Yeah, obviously. At the end of the day, I've, I've, um, I've, I'm slowly settling into the pro game now, and you know you can't be fighting people and you know, going twelve and zero with a padded record and stuff. So, um, you know, it's about stepping, stepping, um, stepping up in the right time. And I think this next fight is, um, I'm at a stage in my career where it's, um, you know, it's a good fight for me. And um, obviously, the time now we fight camp and stuff. Eddie wants the fifty fifty fights, and otherwise, it's not going to make good TV. And you can see where where Eddie's coming from with that. So, you know, when Nathan called me out, it was um, obviously on paper it's a fifty fifty fight. So we said. You know, look, it's my sixth fight. He's had uh, nine, ten fights now. So, you know, let's get it on. Talk to me about Nathan Dalton. You know, what do you know about him? To be honest, I've not, I've not even seen him fight. <laughs> um, so we, um, I checked him out on BoxRec. Um, you know, checked his record out. You know, we spoke to my dad and my team. We made the fight happen, and then we went on YouTube, and all the fights have been took off now. <laughs> <laughs> they took all, they took all the fights off. So. Um, you know, I've, um, I've got a, I've got a rough idea how we fight, but you know, I've boxed many stuff. I've boxed every style there is out there in the amateurs, and you know, obviously it's a totally different ball game. Longer rounds now, but you know, I've boxed every style there is out there. Some of the best fighters, so um, it's not, it'll not be new to me. I, I'll get in there after the first round or so, I'll suss him out, and you know, we go from there. How key do you think, you know, going back to your amateur days and the amateur experience you have, how key do you think 
that will be against Nathan, knowing that you can't exactly see the footage that you'd like to have seen on him. So when you are in the ring, you can kind of adapt to whatever he has to come and show and bring to you. I think the difference with me and Nathan is um, I I can adapt and you know whatever he comes, whatever game plan he set out, is, I can change that and I can you know counter attack on whatever he's going to do. So I think that's going to be the big difference, but. You know, after the first round, I'm a believer in styles make fights. So, to be honest, I don't watch two. If I've got previous footage of my opponents, I only watch one, two rounds max. You know, just to see the style, the way they fight. But um, yeah, I think after after a round or so, you know, I'll suss him out and whatever his game plan is, I'll work that out. Obviously, we know that it's going to be behind closed doors, and we know that. You have to try to entertain the, the fans, as you've said. You know, Eddie wants to put on these 50-50 shows. With all that in mind, how do you feel you'll cope with kind of a pressure of knowing this time round you need to deliver a, a performance that will please the crowd that watch from home? Yeah, I think every every fight you go in, you want to perform. So there's always pressure there. But, you know, I'm confident in, in myself. I always train hard. So, you know, I give it 100%. And when I get in there, I just let my... Um, Obviously, all the weeks of training and stuff—it's all for that one night. So, if you can't if you can't get it right, then you can't get it right. But you know, I'm confident in myself, and you know, I'm feeling better than I ever have now. And you know, I'm feeling in like the best shape ever. So, you know, I'm I'm buzzing for it. I can't wait. How do you think you'll kind of react to the, the settings on the night? Obviously, not having a live audience there. I don't exactly know the ins and outs of whether you can have commentators ringside and who's actually allowed to be in and around the fight ring. We've heard certain rumours and what have you, but nothing concrete as of yet. You know, how do you think you will react on the night row being there in the back, back garden of Matchroom HQ? To be honest, I'm taking it as um, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We're, we're never going to be able to do this again. So, you know, when, when, when I got offered the, offered the chance, you know, I, I grabbed it with both hands. And um, to be honest, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a time where we can build a profile because there's only five fights on on. They're all 50-50 fights and, um, you know, the, the, there's going to be a big audience watching on TV because it's, it's one of the one of the first boxing shows to be back back on live TV. What's your knowledge then, Dalton, of how kind of fight week will play out? What, what has Eddie or what has the matchroom team said to you about what to expect throughout the week? You know, usually you have your, obviously you have your weigh-ins, your press conferences and what have you. Have you had any talks about all of that? Um, to be honest, we've not heard anything yet, so we're just waiting for it all to be confirmed, obviously when they confirm, confirm the show and stuff. So, um, you know, we just all, we're, all, we're all waiting back now, waiting to see what the process is. But, you know, I think it'll all be um, a well-organised um, situation and I think it will it'll run smoothly. There's been talks about the need for fighters to have to self-isolate and what have you for up to 48 hours before fights. How, again, do you feel like you'd cope with that? If that obviously seems to be the case, that you'd obviously be on your own away from everyone, except for when you're going to weigh-in? Yeah, it's not going to be much difference really because you know, for fighters on fight, we they're mostly in their hotel anyway. You know what I mean? So when they're making weight and stuff, they're in the room chilling out, um, and then once you're waiting, you you sat sat about just um, relaxing anyway. So I don't think it's going to be too much of a much too much of a big deal. Obviously, if you win and you you do so in impressive fashion, how do you think it does kind of? set up the rest of this year we still obviously don't know how shows will play out but how big of a statement do you think it would be if you could impress an audience behind closed doors in what you see as obviously a 50-50 fight I think it's going to be massive you know 
obviously one of the first boxing shows to be back on TV. And you know, if you perform, look well, your profile, like my profile, is just going to boost up. So you know, it's it's still early days in my career. So you know, things too much, and you know, start shouting, oh, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, because you know, you've got to learn your trade. You've got to be realistic, and um, you know, to, to take take everything at the right time. And I believe this next fight is um, it's a good it's a good stepping stone for me to show, showcase you know the level I'm at. Dalton, just before you go, um, a quick words on a couple of your campmates, uh, Charlie and Sonny Edwards. How have they both been getting on during camp since? Well, say camp, but since they've been able to get back into the gym. Yeah, they so they've, they've been in camp uh, virtually full time now. So, you know, we've all been training together on the on the track running, and um, hopefully they should be getting the fight fight dates pretty soon um, over with Frank Warren. So, you know, they're both they're looking fit. I mean, I watched them spar this morning. They both look. Um, they both look fit now, so you know they they're going to be both flying for when when the fight date comes. When you say you watch them spar, was they sparring each other? Yeah, they were sparring each other. <laughs> Who comes out on top when you see them sparring, Dalton? I'm, I'm keeping I'm keeping my mouth shut. Ask <laughs> <laughs> ask them each each for them. You can answer on that one. <laughs> Dalton, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Before I let you go, though, what do you like to say to everyone who tunes in to watch our interview? Um, just keep keep um, an eye out for the announcement with Matt Truman. You know, tune, tune into the first of August um, on Fight Camp. Dalton, it's been a pleasure once again to catch up with you during lockdown. Hopefully, the time will come very soon where I can see you in person to do an interview. Until then, though, yeah. stay safe, mate, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for yeah, speaking. Thank to you. Me. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. <laughs>
opportunity to do the next fight and we come up with an opponent and a date. We just was ready to fight. And we talked about Juan Pablo Cano, who was the guy that knocked out Linares a yeah. year ago, and then won another fight after that. He's a huge puncher. He's moved up to 40. Um, he's probably, look, it's a risky fight. I mean, he's going to agree to speak Cano. Yeah. When the Cano's dangerous, clearly. I mean, he, he has one punch knockout power. So it's a, it would be a, a, I think, a explosive kind of fight, and we would take it. Um, but then I'm talking to Eddie about it, and then Eddie does an interview yesterday with someone where he says he doesn't think that he's going to use either Hooker or Regis if they don't fight each other. And I can't do anything about bringing Hooker to the fight. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking also to Showtime and all that. I've had conversations. I spoke to Stephen Estrella the last night. I'm supposed to get back there. Um, I've had a conversation with Tom Rank. I mean, I we just need to fight. Um, but uh, I can't be held hostage because Boris Hooker is the welterweight. Another fight I'm guessing yourself and Eddie Hearn have been discussing, and we've seen lots of different rumours swirling around. I know you addressed some of them on social media, is Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. And you basically made the case on Twitter, and I don't think many people would have disagreed with you, that why would you advise your fighter to take a pay cut when you've got a contract written out for a specific purse, and if it just means waiting until crowds are allowed back in, then that's the way it has to be.
we've lost we've lost the picture temporarily, but obviously I can still hear you. Feel feel free to continue. I'm sure the picture will come back. I don't know why the picture went away. Me neither. But, uh, there you are. Okay, there we are. Did you see? Yeah, you've gone portrait again, but okay. yeah, yeah, that's it. Let's uh, end on a subject in which you're maybe a little less personally invested, and that's the rumoured intentions of Oscar De La Hoya to consider a comeback 
um, having not been in the ring for such a long time. Is he just bored? Has he got too much time on his hands? Lou, as always, really appreciate your time. Hopefully, there'll be some good news on your side within the next week. I know you're not.
because of the uncertainty, because of the risk that a starfighter is preparing and a lot of money is spent preparing for a major event. I mean, if a Canelo Alvarez fight is scheduled in December and then that goes down in the last few days, that's a disaster. So that's one of the reasons why I think you're seeing people be trying to be so careful about jumping back right now. Well, Lou, thank you as always. Very insightful. And we'll see how things develop over the next seven days. We will. It's never a dull moment, Danny. That's one thing that's true. I have a lot of, I have a lot of consequences to make today, many of which on both sides, with my fighters and with my business associates, are going to be um, difficult calls. This, this is your least stressful phone call of the day. You, I think this probably is my least stressful phone call of the day. So thank you for that, Danny Blunt. I'll take it. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Take care, Lou. So, welcome to the latest edition of DeBella's Digest with the man himself, Lou DeBella. How's your week been, Lou? Um, uh, it's been another week of another strange one, man. I mean, I'm still, uh, you know, I, at this point, I know that I'm not going, my two minor league baseball teams are not going to be playing, but I've not been fully notified by, uh, we haven't been notified by a major league baseball of that, so I'm not allowed to announce that or really say it publicly, but I don't think there's going to be a minor league baseball season in my two cities. You know, boxing is back here, but so are COVID-19 rates. And, uh, and it seems like in half of the United States, um, the infection level is getting out of control again. And the number of deaths here are about a thousand a day um, in the country. And now yesterday I read the New York Times that the EU is considering a travel, you know, basically extending a ban on travel from the U.S. beginning in July. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a very uncertain time over here right now. So it's still an uncertain time in boxing. There's no definitive date on when the zone's coming back in the U.S. Uh, there's uh, some scheduled stuff from from PBC, but there's not. Uh, there's no indication that we're returning toward any any greater we're talking of a week ago we discussed uh, Regis Progray last week and at the time you were looking for a new opponent for him after Maurice Hooker in your words F the fight up um, in terms of the weight clause and, and delaying um, Progray's career really where, where are we at I'm oh, sorry go on. Yeah, I think Kano's dangerous. I mean, he has one punch knockout powers. 
Another fight I'm guessing yourself and Eddie Hearn have been discussing and we've seen lots of different rumours swirling around. I know you addressed some of them on social media is Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. And you basically made the case on Twitter and I don't think many people would have disagreed with you that why would you advise your fighter to take a pay cut when you've got a contract written out for a specific purse and if it just means waiting until crowds are allowed back in then that's the way it has to be. We've lost we've lost the picture temporarily, but obviously I can still hear you. Feel feel free to continue. I'm sure the picture will come back. I don't know why the picture went away. The first <laughs> me, me neither. Uh, there you are. Okay, there we are. Can you see? Yeah, you've gone portrait again, but yeah, yeah that's it. So, 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 so
York, the New York Times comes out yesterday with an article talking about a ban on, on travel for the EU from the United States potentially beginning in July. Now, maybe England goes along with that, and maybe because you're not part of the EU, you don't. Given the relationship between our crazy fucking president and your crazy fucking prime minister, maybe they don't. But is there reason to think that August 22nd is still for her to get from New York to the UK and go through all the protocols and fight fight? Is it fair? Like, is there a possibility the site could be postponed the third time? I don't think, I think certainly you'd have to say it is. And, you know, I personally believe that all things were equal. And they, if they felt they could train a protocol, I've made it very clear to Amanda and our team that, that I think that getting the deal at 100% of the purse in this time frame with what's going on in the world is a great advantage in terms of making a living and, 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 and advancing your career. Also, if Eddie says, fuck it, this fight doesn't happen in August, I don't want to pay this money anymore, I'm not going to keep the deal in place, um, it's not clear that there would ever be that kind of payday again. But that being said, seven-time world champion, you're fighting a fight that's going to determine potentially the preeminent female fighter in the world, you know, and there's this much uncertainty, you've trained twice ready, been postponed twice, you're heading to a third one, cases are surging in the U.S., your gyms aren't open and you can't spar in New York, there are some points on the other side, and as a promoter and someone that co-promotes with Eddie in a number of occasions, I, I completely understand the frustration on his end. But on the other side, like what do I say? I mean, if Amanda goes to England and someone in the camps has positive and protocol dictate and the fight can't happen, it's another couple of months that she's not getting paid anything. And another further taxing her body and training for a fight without a definite Let's uh, end on a subject in which you're maybe a little less personally invested, and that's the rumoured intentions of Oscar De La Hoya to consider a comeback, um, having not been in the ring for such a long time. Is he just bored? Has he got too much time on his hands? better 
or four seven. And without, you know, it's not only four seven, but it's not a guy that's actually consistently been a clean liver feeling. So, like, is there any reason to think at 47 years old? I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I don't think it helps for to talk about all this stuff. And I get, I get when you're an ex-athlete, your body tells you you can still do things, your head tells you you can still do things, you, you miss the limelight, maybe you are bored, but it doesn't make it the right thing to do. And it doesn't, it's not real. I mean, I mean, right, right now we need to fix As always, really appreciate your time. Hopefully, there'll be some good news on your side within the next week. I know you're not.
people being trying to be so careful about jumping back right now. Well, Lou, thank you as always. Very insightful. And we'll see how things develop over the next seven days. We will. It's never <laughs> This is your least stressful phone call of the day. I think this probably is my least stressful phone call of the day. So thank you for that, Danny Blackman. I'll take it. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Take care, Lou. Okay, interesting development here, and a surprising one. Alexander Vozdek has decided to retire from boxing, following his first and only defeat as a professional to Artem Baturbiev. He said, quote, My mind is completely okay, and I feel okay, and I just right now feel it was the right time to make some changes. He talked about the Stevenson fight, And some people are speculating perhaps what happened to Stevenson has influenced his own decision to retire. Perhaps that influenced his own decision to uh, call it a day in the Baturbiev fight, right? So he responded to that by saying, quote, going to the hospital was just a precaution because obviously he went to the hospital after the uh, Baturbiev fight. So going to the hospital was just a precaution because of those things that happened with fighters recently. A couple of guys died. So that's why I went. And you know, Teddy, he always wants to be sure in every situation and he forced me to go to hospital. Not really forced me, but he told me I needed to go. Everything was good. So he's obviously talking about his trainer, Teddy Atlas. He goes on to say, this situation, I knew I'd have to almost start over again with everything. Nobody was going to give me a chance to fight for the title right away. Uh, This is the first thing. And second one for right now, with all the uncertainty, I felt I am 33 years old, I am healthy and I want to be healthy. I'm looking for new opportunities in my life besides boxing. I am healthy and I feel stronger than any time in my life. I'm glad to have my health. I always try to be sober. I understand for right now, uh, why is Baturbiev supposed to give me a rematch? There was no clause in the contract, so it's up to him. But I agree, he is not supposed to give me one. If I was him, I probably wouldn't as well. He is looking forward to unifying the titles and becoming undisputed champion. Why is he supposed to look back and fight me again? I realize he has no interest in making that happen. So he is supposed to just do it for me. No, we are not friends. Somebody was prepared better. It was him. I was less prepared for this fight. Things happen, you know, stuff happens. I've been in the sport for 22 years. I established a lot of relationships with boxing people and business people as well. I'm not going to give you any comments about what I'm going to do, but believe me, I'm good. I always said, give me the best opponents. In real life, in their minds, a lot of fighters say that, but they don't do it. They see those top guys in their nightmares. Most guys say, give me this and give me that. And eventually when it's time to take action, they say, no, something happened. I wanted to be champion and I meant it when I said I wanted to fight the best and I am responsible for my words. So of course, I realized all the risks, risks which I have uh, to take 
and I did. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Okay, so I will look for something else. I became a world champion and I put my name in little letters in boxing history. That's what it means to me. He finishes up uh, by talking about a possible return. Um, he also has some nice words for Teddy Atlas. He said, quote, Teddy is part of my team. Teddy is my friend. And I'm glad he supports me in the decision to retire. I'm glad that I have a relationship with Teddy even after I finish my career. And with regards to a potential return to the ring, he says, we'll see what will happen. It all depends what will happen with my business career. Never say never, but for right now, I'm not sure what I want to do, but never say never. I'm open to negotiations. I would consider it, but it's not what I'm looking for. End quote. <laughs> Pretty lengthy quote of me interjecting all the way through, but hopefully you got the gist of it. Now, the question I have to ask here, and don't take this the wrong way. He's a fighter. I respect him. But the question I have to ask is, would he be making this decision if Artur Baturbiev wasn't a professional light heavyweight and he you know, hadn't just lost to him? Would he be retiring? Uh, let's say after Baturbiev beat him, for some reason it was Baturbiev who decided to retire and sail off into the sunset. Would Vozdek still be retiring now? That's the question I've got in my head because Baturbiev beat Vozdek in the amateurs. They then fought as pros and from the opening bell, I don't know what you guys saw in that fight, but I know what I saw. From the opening bell, Vozdek looked intimidated by Baturbiev. And he essentially capitulated in that fight. He quit in the fight. And I'm not saying that he's a coward or anything like that. I'm not the one that has to step in the ring and take the punches. I'm not one of these guys who always gets on fighters, you know, backs about quitting. If you go in there and you're in a world level fight and you fight to the best of your ability and it's not good enough and you start taking a beat down, if you end up quitting, I'm not going to, you know, come out and say, oh, you're a coward and you're, no, I'm not the one that's in there with the world-class fighters taking the world-class punches and it's the 10th, 11th round or whatever. And I've already been dropped. I'm not in that position. Okay. So I've, I'm in no position to tell you that you, you know, you should show more toughness than that or this, that. No, I'm in no position to tell you that. Okay. I'm in no position to question your bravery and act like you're, you know, some kind of wimp because you decided to live to fight another day, you know? Now, if there's a fighter who goes in there and they don't even try at all, and they go down from a grazing punch and stay on the canvas and carry on with a whole heap of theatrics, then yeah, I'll say something about that. Because I have actually fought, albeit as an amateur, so I do have some authority to be able to speak about another man getting in the ring, okay? And if that's what you're going to do, go in there and just do some play acting on the canvas after somebody hit you with a grazing jab, then yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have some criticism for you. But my point, the point I'm making here is, has that, you know, ghost of Baturbiev been haunting Vozdek for all these years? And when the opportunity came to put that ghost to rest, the ghost came back with a vengeance. And in fact, it wasn't a ghost, it was very real. Baturbiev stopped him. So it, it has, has that left 
an indelible mark on Vosdek's psyche? Has that scarred him so much that he's thought, you know what? If this guy is going to be around in the light heavyweight division and he's going to be the top man, I don't want nothing to do with boxing anymore. <laughs> Let me go in a different direction because I can't beat this guy. Yeah? What's the point in targeting, you know, Dimitri Bivol or anybody else at light heavyweight? Because Baturbiev's going to want any other belts that are still out there. So let me leave boxing alone. Is that what Vozdek has done? Or is it really nothing to do with Baturbiev? Has he just maybe lost his hunger for boxing? That does happen sometimes. You know, you've got to figure that Vozdek, coming from Ukraine, a lot of these Eastern Europeans, they start boxing very, very young. And they're in hard discipline training from very young all the way through these lengthy amateur careers where many of them have hundreds of fights. And then you get into the pros and Vozdek hasn't had that many pro fights, but still he's been fighting at a high level. He obviously beats Stevenson. You know, he's in the Baturbia fight. So sometimes you can just get sick of it, you know? And if his heart isn't in it, maybe he realized in that Baturbia fight that his heart wasn't fully in boxing. Maybe the training camps have become a chore. Maybe he's not enjoying the sport the way he thinks he should be. And if that's the case, if he's not enjoying it, then he's made the right decision to retire. Because boxing is a dangerous sport at the best of times. But if your heart is not fully in it and you're not fully, fully committed, then it becomes even more dangerous. So I wish Alexander Vozdek all the best. I think he's been uh, a good fighter, a good addition to the light heavyweight division. If he does decide to come back, of course, you know, it, it would be nice, but only if he comes back for the right reasons. And when I say right reasons, I'm talking about from the perspective of his mental and physical health. Because if he's just coming back for money, then even though it's an understandable reason, it's a little concerning, right? The right reasons as in, he still loves the game. You know, he's, he still wants to be in there competing at the highest level. That's what I would say are the, you know, would be the right reason. If he decides that, yes, there's unfinished business in boxing and after a rest, he's decided that he, he still has hunger for the game and he misses it, then it'll be nice to see him back. But if the hunger is really gone, then he's made the right decision. And there's nothing wrong with walking away. He's 33 years of age. Marvin Hagler walked away when he was like 32, 33. You know, uh, George Groves isn't that old, is he? How old was he when he retired? So I've got no issue with fighters retiring at these relatively young ages. It's okay. Yeah, I know as fans, we put a lot of demands on these fighters and we act like we own them. We don't own them. Yeah. Uh, it's their health. It's their body. And they have to do whatever they feel is best in their particular situation. Um, most of the time in boxing, fighters give their best years to the sport. And they can wear themselves out. We've seen it many times, all right? Many of my favorite fighters from back in the 80s and 90s, they can't even string a sentence together now. Whereas fighters like Vozdek and you know many other modern fighters are learning from the past mistakes and they're not trying to completely decimate their bodies and decimate their brains. 
through boxing. You know, they're trying to give themselves a chance to actually enjoy life post-boxing. So, yeah, I wish Alexander Vosdek all the best. Let me know what you guys think about this in the comment section below. Are you disappointed that he's retired? Uh, would you have liked to see him run it back with Baturbiev? Would you have liked to see him fight uh, somebody like uh, Dmitry Bivol or many of the other light heavyweights out there? We got a couple of British light heavyweights in Anthony Yard and uh, Joshua Boatzi. I mean, Jose Burton as well, but he's you know, also got Callum Johnson. So we've got quite a few light heavyweights coming through. Uh, from the UK, and there are light heavyweights from other parts of the world as well. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think about this in the comment section below. Alexander Vozdek deciding to retire from boxing. It's happening about. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Uh, Eddie, what, what a surrounding. It's fantastic. I mean, let's hope we get weather like this in, in, in August. But first of all, it's, it's terrific to be back, isn't it? It is, and you know we won't get weather like this, Adam, for every week of fight camp, and that's going to be half the fun. But it feels good, you know, to, to finally launch it. I can't tell you, well, you know, the amount of work that's gone in behind the scenes to get this off the ground, the whole concept. You know, I don't want to go into a studio. I don't want to go into a, an empty hall. I want to try and give you a spectacle. You know, that's what we do. We live for the razzmatazz, and we haven't got 80,000 in Sweet Caroline, but we can still do Sweet Caroline. We can still do the fireworks, and we can create something different that probably we'll never see again and I'm thrilled by the lineup and I can't wait to get started all over again it's a terrific schedule as well isn't it um fights every week four weeks and uh, they're all different levels and some some cracking clashes on there what appeals most to you well I think you know like you say they're all different levels and all different stages of people's career but what they all are is competitive fights now we're only allowed five fights a night with the British Boxing Board of Control so let's make them all great fights. Now, even we kick off on the first night with Reese Bellotti against Jordan Gill. Now, I mean, that's a fight that should really never get made. Jordan Gill was supposed to have a six-rounder at the O2, but things have changed now. You know, and on fight camp, the first rule of fight camp is no easy fights. So we're saying to these guys now, look, are you up for fighting on fight camp? Yes, right. Will you fight this guy or this guy? No, I won't. Okay, we'll catch you later in the year. You know, but for now, it's about... Jordan Gill, Reese Bellotti, Dalton Smith in a big step up. Great fight between Fabio Wardley and Simon Valilli. James Tennyson against Gavin Gwynn for the British lightweight title is a chief support. And it's the egg and the cheese. And I'm not talking about an omelette. I'm talking about Sam Cheese, Sam, Sam, Sam Eggington against Ted Cheeseman. It's a great fight. And you know, you only got to look on paper. And I've sent the, the line up to you and I've sent it to Sky and Ed Robinson. And everyone's come back and gone, oh, 
some crackers on there. You know, week two, I'm so excited about Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas. You know, it's a history-making fight. The first time two Brits have fought for a women's world title. Doncaster against Liverpool. You know, on that card as well, you've got Anthony Fowler back. You've got Chris Billum-Smith for the Commonwealth title. You've got Akib Fiaz. You've got Opie Price. Week three is a brilliant middleweight fight. Felix Cash against Jason Wellborn. Zelfa Barrett in his first fight for Matrim and Sky against Ireland's Eric Donovan. Great fight. Kieran Conway against Nav Mansouri. Shannon Courtney in a big step up as well. And look, week four is going to be incredible. To think that Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin are going to be fighting 50 yards over there with Katie Taylor, the undisputed women's lightweight world champ, Bacoli Kuzmin, Clay Congo, and a couple more to be added. It's incredible. I can't wait. I'm so excited, Adam. Me too. Let's go back to Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas. She's been a great story last couple of years, uh, Terry, of course. But Jonas, we know her from the Olympics. We, we know the pedigree that she has. And obviously, a mad Liverpool fan too. And uh, you know, what's happened in the last 24 hours. I mean, she, she's quality. They both are. It's a fabulous match. And as you say, the first time ever, two Brits from the ladies are fighting for a world title. Yeah, brilliant in that respect. But such a big opportunity for Natasha Jonas. You know, we saw her with that surprise loss against uh, Vivian Obanoff a few years ago now. Come back, got a string of good wins. She sits on the brink of becoming WBC world champion. But what about Terry Harper? She's just come from nowhere with Steffi Ball. She's a, she's a real revelation now in British boxing. Great to watch full of confidence it's a really really good women's world championship fight and now i'm really looking forward to that one yep katie taylor of course uh, back as you said on uh, on august the 22nd tell us where we are with katie obviously we thought it was going to be amanda serrano there seems to be a lot of noise out of her camp backing off complaining about dates purses and all of that do you think that can be resurrected or are we looking at somebody well, i else hope already? so you know it's the absolute plan to do Taylor Serrano here. And both fighters have signed binding legal contracts to take part in that fight. You know, there's some talk about, you know, there's a reduction in offering of purse, never a reduction in any offering to Lou Bella for, for a change in Serrano's purse. She was written to, to give her the new date under the full terms of the contract that she signed. And that is the contract that we will enforce and expect her to honor as well. So, you know, we've given her warm up fights. We've given her vacant world title fights to make sure that she fights Katie Taylor. So come on, let's do as you promised and let's give the world what they want. We've also reached out to Delphine Pursoon for that fight as well. Be an be a even better replacement if we could make that fight as well. So Katie Taylor will be a, in a big fight here and she's ready for all those defining moments. Yeah, whatever happens, Katie Taylor is going for to be sure. here and she's one of the stars in boxing, period. For sure. And, and whatever it is, whoever it is, it will be competitive, it will be thrilling. But wouldn't it be great if we could get one of those mega names? Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. So much at stake in the world heavyweight division. Obviously, the, the blue ribboned brigade that everybody's talking about. And I think as we entered lockdown, it was, uh, you know, a, a fantastic position. We come off Fury Wilder. We're going forward with AJ Pulev and, and White Povetkin and Usyk Chizora. Now, people want to get back to that. We've, we've had the time away and we kick off with White Povetkin in the garden. Matrim Square Garden. I mean, it should be Madison Square Garden, this fight, because this is where this fight deserves to be. But, you know, when this happened, I thought to myself, Dillian White won't fight in the garden, will he? Oh, my God, how wrong was I? He said he'd do it in the car park if I wanted to. You know, this is one of the most dangerous fights in boxing. Two of the best left hookers in the sport. And not just dangerous because either guy can put you asleep with one punch. 
but dangerous because Dillian White sits on the verge of fighting Tyson Fury for the WBC world title. And time and time again, he is willing to put it on the line for the fans to give them entertainment. Hilanius, Chisora, Joseph Parker, Chisora again, just because the fans wanted to see it. Oscar Rivas, now Alexander Povetkin. What more does he have to do to get that shot? And we're working hard with his team, with his legal team, to try and enforce what was promised by the WBC on that deadline of February 2021. But it's all irrelevant if he doesn't beat Alexander Povetkin. And Povetkin is up for this. He knows it's last chance saloon at challenging for world heavyweight titles. He's trained hard. He's kept himself in shape from lockdown. White against Povetkin is going to be an absolute war. And it is going to be thrilling to watch them do it there. Because sometimes in an arena, sometimes you can get caught up in the emotion, the noise. We are going to be sitting there watching them go to battle at the bottom of those stairs. You're going to hear every single punch. You're going to hear every single breath. You're going to hear the words of the fighters to the corner team and to each other. You're going to hear the, the instructions to the corner. You're going to hear Povetkin soak up those body shots from Dillian White. It is going to be thrilling, dangerous, raw, brutal and a must-win fight for Dillian White. Why hasn't Dillian got his shot yet, and will he get to Tyson Fury before AJ does? I think he hasn't got his shots because the big fights have presented themselves that it was more convenient for those in charge to make than enforce a mandatory, quite honestly. I mean, I understand the WBC, and I understand the world wanting to see Wilder against Fury. They're big heavyweight events, but there comes a time where enough is enough. And once a promise has been made, which was February 2020, and then it was delayed by another year, enough's enough, and we mustn't delay it anymore. I've said before, I believe Dillian White should take priority over Anthony Joshua to get that fight with, with Tyson Fury before February. And look, AJ's gonna fight Pulev in November, so he's not gonna fight till you know May, June, July of next year anyway, so there's no reason why Dillian White shouldn't get that shot. AJ, of course, will be watching uh, Dillian with interest. What, what's the latest with him and the, the knee injury and when he'll be fighting Pulev? He's back training. He, he sent me a, a picture yesterday of him on the bike, putting a big session in. Um, November is the date that fight will take place. We're starting to see some changes now in, in government legislations that make me feel very confident that by November we will be allowed crowds back in arenas. So we're making inquiries for arenas. We want that fight to take place in the UK. I spoke to Bob Arum last night about numerous different things. AJ against Pulev was one of them. And uh, yeah, I believe you'll see that fight in the UK in November. What's AJ's mindset at the moment? Is it Pulev or is he, you know, all the talk of Tyson Fury and, and the undisputed, the biggest fight in modern boxing history? Is, is that a distraction or yeah. do you think, you know, Joshua's too sort of mature and, and, and experienced enough to, to know that he's got to deal with Kubrat Brillo first. Well, I think he's made a little bit of that mis mistake before, hasn't he? You know, when the Andy Ruiz fight came around, everybody was talking about Wilder. Everybody was talking about the undisputed fight. And sometimes if you take your, your eye off the ball, and it's the same you know, mindset with White Povetkin. That's why we can't get too caught up in that mandatory. We've got to deal with that. But I think AJ right now is firmly focused on Pulev because he knows if he doesn't beat Pulev, there's no Fury fight. So he's got to go out, he's got to do a job. You know, time he gets back in the ring, it'd be nearly a year since he's boxed, you know? So he'll be looking to make the improvements that, that he's been learning in camp and the improvements that he made in the Ruiz fight and put it into good use against Kubrat Pulev and put in a devastating performance.
So you're dealing with Bob Arum from the Tyson Fury side now. We know that the, the finances, the, the economics have been agreed, but there's a long way to go, isn't there, before the, the big announcement? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the bulk is done because that's always the financial element of the deal, but there's stuff out of our control, i.e. the fighters winning their next fights. But, you know, Bob Arum is uh, strutting like a peacock, knowing that he's now the man in control of Tyson Fury. And, uh, you know, he'll be leading the negotiations. We had a good chat last night. We get on all right, you know, we have our words backwards and forwards, but we both want to make the biggest fight of all time. He's made many of them in the past. I want to, you know, I want to make one that goes down in legacy and in history as well. So we're all moving forward now. We talked about the site. We talked about, you know, the other elements of the deal that needs to be done. And we both agreed we need to start moving forward, start papering this, start dotting the I's and crossing the T's and get this boxed in for 2021. When do you think in your heart of hearts it will happen and where? I think next summer. I think there'll be two next year. Um, you know, again, look, everybody knows you from you to me, from AJ to Fury. We'd love this fight to take place in the UK. It's a fight between two Brits for the undisputed heavyweight world championship. But there is so much interest from around the world that you know I do believe one of these fights will take place outside of the UK. And I'm happy to do one out, one in, one out. But I, I, I would really be disappointed if we couldn't do one of those in the UK. But ultimately. You know, the fighters, their close team, they'll all make a collective decision. Whilst I want it in the UK, I just want the fight. You know, I want the fight. I want to see AJ become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And wherever it is, listen, even if it's here, it'll be super special. So you're dealing with Bob Aram. What about Frank Warren, your UK rival? He's mm. kicking off again on July the 10th. He's saying he's going to have something every single week from... The BT studios will be watching with interest and what do you think he'll provide? I think it's great. I think anybody that comes back in this environment needs to be commended. You know, Frank, Bob, all these guys, you know, it's not easy. You know, we don't have gates anymore. You know, the revenue's been brought down considerably. It's much harder to make these fights. So my hat's off to everybody that's pushing hard to make boxing flourish again. Um, you know, it, it will work for some people, it won't work for others. Some people will get it right, some people will get it wrong, but you can't knock anyone for trying. And anyone that is trying to keep boxing flying, keep boxing buzzing, I'm all for supporting them. Behind closed doors here, but Frank's not too far away. He might wander down and have a little look at how it works. Yeah, yeah, well, he can see a real show. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you talk about boxing behind closed doors, some people are used to that. What about the rest of your big names? Um, Thinking Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. That's when it starts getting really difficult, you know. And I'll be on to you about that in due course. But you know, we, what I'm trying to do here is get fight camp done. Four great weeks of boxing. Then when we come back in early September, hopefully we're back in arenas with some kind of crowds. Then we've got the others to deal with. You know, everything from Ritson against Vasquez to Selby Cambosis to Josh Kelly Avenesian to Callum Smith to Josh Warrington to Billy Joe Saunders to Usyk Chisora to Anthony Joshua. It's a bit oh of a backlog, God. isn't it? <laughs> Just slightly. <laughs> and when I put it like that, yeah, especially. So listen, we'll get through it. A few we'll get through there. it. It's going to be expensive. We're going to lose money. But you know what? It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's why we've built such a great business over the last few years is to be able to, to withstand this pressure, to be able to deal with peaks and troughs and swings in the economy. It's going to be brutal. But we'll be okay. We, we won't give up without a fight. Do you think Canelo will pick one of the Brits? Probably not, because I think they'll be too expensive. You know, when you're losing eight or ten million on the gate not being there, you need to find a way where that, that you know, where you're going to save that money. Canelo might take a little bit less, but they're going to need a cheaper opponent. But at the same time, the broadcasters are going to want to make sure that it's a real fight. It's, it's very difficult to keep everybody happy.
The broadcasters, or certainly we, have wanted one fight that's eluded us over the last five, six, seven years, and that's Kelbrook mm. and Amir Khan. Who knows what either of them are doing at the moment or what they want to do? Can you? Yeah, give us Kel, look, on that? Kel's all systems go trying to land that Crawford fight. You know, that's the one he wants. I'm not sure whether that will come into fruition, but there's been no discussions about Khan against Brook. But, you know, maybe this is the time where people just go, oh, do you know what? Let's do it. Um, but we need crowds, you know, we need crowds for Warrington against Kanzu. We need crowds for Billy Joe Saunders against Callum Smith. We really need crowds for Usyk Chizora and Joshua Pulev. So hopefully they'll be back sooner rather than later. Do you think Brook will land that Crawford fight? I think he'll be too expensive at the moment. You know, I think uh, Bob Arum's going to want to cut the purses of fighters, his fighters and the opponents. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure that'll get over the line. Nassim Hamad. Uh, in the news at the moment because his uh, his son, I think it's his middle son, is turning a professional. Adam in the uh, in the trade. What do we think of him? What do we think of the story? Have you got any interest? Oh, I've not there? seen him fight, but it's a great story. I mean, look, you've seen Connor Ben with us. He's fantastic. Chris Eubank Jr. has been great entertainment over the years. And and again, Nazi's son. Let's see what he's got. Let's get him out. It's hard for anybody to follow in the footsteps of a successful father. I've, I've had to do it as well. It's never easy. You know, you're always... Barry Earn's son or Chris Eubank's son or Nigel Ben's son until you make your own way and you make them become Eddie Earn's dad or Connor Ben's dad. That's the nice thing to try and be able to do and all those guys are great fighters and I wish him all the best as well. So what are we going to get here in, uh, in August in this uh, beautiful patch with the city in the background? This is of course where you grew up Eddie and I mean it's, it must be very odd. <laughs> it is odd but it's exciting, it's a dream come true. And I wanted to bring something back that was different, you know, not in a dingy studio, something with drama, something with intensity, something that can motivate the fighters, something that the worldwide broadcasters can look at and say, look at Matchroom. They're pushing the boundaries once again. Entertaining fights, 50-50 matchup, career-defining moments, British, Commonwealth, European, World Championship fights, all here, fight camp, live on Sky Sports. Health and safety, paramount, and that's all going to be taken care of absolutely been dealing with the british boxing border control for the last three or four months making sure everything's spot on from testing to our hotel down the road keeping everybody into isolation ppe social distancing now we hope over the next few weeks that's going to relax but everything that we've got set in place as is if these fights were happening tomorrow final message to the fans out there who have been starved of boxing for so long we're back support these shows we hope you enjoy it we've put a lot of work in trying to make this as exciting um, you know, as different, as fresh as possible. Let's get fight camp done. Let's invest our time in it. Let's find out about the fights. Let's support the fighters. And then we'll be back to normal before you know it. Uh, Eddie, what, what a surrounding. It's fantastic. I mean, let's hope we get weather like this in, in, <laughs> in August. But first of all, it's, it's terrific to be back, isn't it? It is. And you know we won't get weather like this, Adam, for every week of fight camp. And that's going to be half the fun. But... It feels good, you know, to, to finally launch it. I can't tell you, well, you know, the amount of work that's gone in behind the scenes to get this off the ground, the whole concept. You know, I don't want to go into a studio. I don't want to go into a, an empty hall. I want to try and give you a spectacle. You know, that's what we do. We live for the razzmatazz and we haven't got 80,000 and Sweet Caroline, but we can still do Sweet Caroline. We can still do the fireworks and we can create something different that probably we'll never see again. And I'm thrilled by the lineup. And I can't wait to get started all over again. It's a terrific schedule as well, isn't it? Um, fights every week, four weeks, and uh, they're all different levels and some, some cracking clashes on there. What appeals most to you? 
Well, I think, you know, like you say, they're all different levels and all different stages of people's career, but what they all are is competitive fights. You know, we're only allowed five fights a night with the British Boxing Board of Control, so let's make them all great fights. Now, even we kick off on the first night with Reese Bellotti against Jordan Gill. Now, I mean, that's a fight that should really never get made. Jordan Gill was supposed to have a six-rounder at the O2, but things have changed now. You know, and on fight camp, the first rule of fight camp is no easy fights. So we're saying to these guys now, look, are you up for fighting on fight camp? Yes, right. Will you fight this guy or this guy? No, I won't. Okay, we'll catch you later in the year. You know, but for now, it's about Jordan Gill, Reese Bellotti, Dalton Smith in a big step up. Great fight between Fabio Wardley and Simon Valilli. James Tennyson against Gavin Gwynn for the British lightweight title is a chief support. And it's the egg and the cheese. And I'm not talking about an omelette. I'm talking about Sam Cheese, Sam, Sam Eggington against Ted Cheeseman. It's a great fight. And you know, you only got to look on paper. And I've sent the, the line up to you and I've sent it to Sky and Ed Robinson. And everyone's come back and gone, oh, some crackers on there. You know, week two, I'm so excited about Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas. You know, it's a history-making fight. The first time two Brits have fought for a women's world title. Doncaster against Liverpool. You know, on that card as well, you've got Anthony Fowler back. You've got Chris Billum-Smith for the Commonwealth title. You've got Akib Fiaz. You've got Opie Price. Week three is a brilliant middleweight fight. Felix Cash against Jason Wellborn. Zelfa Barrett in his first fight for Matrim and Sky against Ireland's Eric Donovan. Great fight. Kieran Conway against Nav Mansouri. Shannon Courtney in a big step up as well. And look, week four is going to be incredible. To think that Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin are going to be fighting 50 yards over there with Katie Taylor, the undisputed women's lightweight world champ, Bacoli Kuzmin, Clay Congo, and a couple more to be added. It's incredible. I can't wait. I'm so excited, Adam. Me too. Let's go back to Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas. She's been a great story last couple of years, uh, Terry, of course. But Jonas, we know her from the Olympics. We, we know the pedigree that she has. And obviously, a mad Liverpool fan too. And uh, you know, what's happened in the last 24 hours. I mean, she, she's quality. They both are. It's a fabulous match. And as you say, the first time ever, two Brits from the ladies are fighting for a world title. Yeah, brilliant in that respect. But such a big opportunity for Natasha Jonas. You know, we saw her with that surprise loss against uh, Vivian Obanoff a few years ago now. Come back, got a string of good wins. She sits on the brink of becoming WBC world champion. But what about Terry Harper? She's just come from nowhere with Steffi Ball. She's a, she's a real revelation now in British boxing. Great to watch full of confidence it's a really really good women's world championship fight and now i'm really looking forward to that one yep katie taylor of course uh, back as you said on uh, on august the 22nd tell us where we are with katie obviously we, we thought it was going to be amanda serrano there seems to be a lot of noise out of her camp backing off complaining about dates purses and all of that do you think that can be resurrected or are we looking at somebody well, else i hope already? so you know it's the absolute plan to do Taylor Serrano here. And both fighters have signed binding legal contracts to take part in that fight. You know, there's some talk about, you know, there was a reduction in offering of purse, never a reduction in any offering to Lou Bella for, for a change in Serrano's purse. She was written to, to give her the new date under the full terms of the contract that she signed. And that is the contract that we will enforce and expect her to honor as well. So, you know, we've given her warm-up fights, we've given her vacant world title fights to make sure that she fights Katie Taylor. So come on, let's do as you promised and let's give the world what they want. We've also reached out to Delphine Passoon, 
for that fight as well. Be a, be a even better replacement if we could make that fight as well. So Katie Taylor will be a, in a big fight here and she's ready for all those defining moments. Yeah, whatever happens, Katie Taylor is going for to be sure. here and she's one of the stars in boxing, period. For sure. And, and whatever it is, whoever it is, it will be competitive, it will be thrilling. But wouldn't it be great if we could get one of those mega names? Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. So much at stake in the world heavyweight division. Obviously, the, the blue ribboned brigade that everybody's talking about. And I think as we entered lockdown, it was uh, you know a, a fantastic position. We come off Fury Wilder. We're going forward with AJ Pulev and, and White Povetkin and Usyk Chizora. And now people want to get back to that. We've, we've had the time away and we kick off with White Povetkin in the garden. Matrim Square Garden. I mean, it should be Madison Square Garden, this fight, because this is where this fight deserves to be. But, you know, when this happened, I thought to myself, Dillian White won't fight in the garden, will he? Oh, my God, how wrong was I? He said he'd do it in the car park if I wanted to. You know, this is one of the most dangerous fights in boxing. Two of the best left hookers in the sport. And not just dangerous because either guy can put you asleep with one punch, but dangerous because Dillian White sits on the verge of fighting Tyson Fury for the WBC world title. And time and time again, he is willing to put it on the line for the fans to give them entertainment. Hellanius, Chisora, Joseph Parker, Chisora again, just because the fans wanted to see it. Oscar Rivas, now Alexander Povetkin. What more does he have to do to get that shot? And we're working hard with his team, with his legal team, to try and enforce what was promised by the WBC on that deadline of February 2021. But it's all irrelevant if he doesn't beat Alexander Povetkin. And Povetkin is up for this. He knows it's last chance saloon at challenging for world heavyweight titles. He's trained hard. He's kept himself in shape from lockdown. White against Povetkin is going to be an absolute war. And it is going to be thrilling to watch them do it there. Because sometimes in an arena, sometimes you can get caught up in the emotion, the noise. We are going to be sitting there watching them go to battle at the bottom of those stairs. You're going to hear every single punch. You're going to hear every single breath. You're going to hear the words of the fighters to the corner team and to each other. You're going to hear the, the instructions to the corner. You're going to hear Povetkin soak up those body shots from Dillian White. It is going to be thrilling, dangerous, raw, brutal and a must-win fight for Dillian White. Why hasn't Dillian got his shot yet, and will he get to Tyson Fury before AJ does? I think he hasn't got his shots because the big fights have presented themselves that it was more convenient for those in charge to make than enforce a mandatory, quite honestly. I mean, I understand the WBC, and I understand the world wanting to see Wilder against Fury. They're big heavyweight events, but there comes a time where enough is enough. And once a promise has been made, which was February 2020, and then it was delayed by another year, enough's enough, and we mustn't delay it anymore. I've said before, I believe Dillian White should take priority over Anthony Joshua to get that fight with, with Tyson Fury before February. And look, AJ's gonna fight Pulev in November, so he's not gonna fight till you know May, June, July of next year anyway, so there's no reason why Dillian White shouldn't get that shot. AJ, of course, will be watching uh, Dillian with interest. What, what's the latest with him and the, the knee injury and when he'll be fighting Pulev? He's back training. He, he sent me a, a picture yesterday of him on the bike, putting a big session in. Um, November is the date that fight will take place. We're starting to see some changes now in, in government legislations that make me feel very confident that by November we will be allowed crowds back in arenas. So we're making inquiries for arenas 
We want that fight to take place in the UK. I spoke to Bob Arum last night about numerous different things. AJ against Pulev was one of them. And uh, yeah, I believe you'll see that fight in the UK in November. What's AJ's mindset at the moment? Is it Pulev or is he, you know, all the talk of Tyson Fury and, and the undisputed, the biggest fight in modern boxing history? Is, is that a distraction or yeah. do you think, you know, Joshua's too sort of mature and, and, and experienced enough to, to know that he's got to deal with Kubrat Pulev first? Well, I think he's made a little bit of that mis mistake before, hasn't he? You know, when the Andy Ruiz fight came around, everybody was talking about Wilder. Everybody was talking about the undisputed fight. And sometimes if you take your, your eye off the ball, and that's the same you know, mindset with White Povetkin. That's why we can't get too caught up in that mandatory. We've got to deal with that. But I think AJ right now is firmly focused on Pulev because he knows if he doesn't beat Pulev, there's no Fury fight. So he's got to go out, he's got to do a job. You know, time he gets back in the ring, it'd be nearly a year since he's boxed, you know. So he'll be looking to make the improvements that, that he's been learning in camp and the improvements that he made in the Ruiz fight and put it into good use against Kubrat Pulev and put in a devastating performance. So you're dealing with Bob Arum from the Tyson Fury side now. We know that the, the finances, the, the economics have been agreed, but there's a long way to go, isn't there, before the, the big announcement? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the bulk is done because that's always the financial element of the deal, but there's stuff out of our control, i.e. the fighters winning their next fights. But, you know, Bob Arum is uh, strutting like a peacock, knowing that he's now the man in control of Tyson Fury. And, uh, you know, he'll be leading the negotiations. We had a good chat last night. We get on all right, you know, we have our words backwards and forwards, but we both want to make the biggest fight of all time. He's made many of them in the past. I want to, you know, I want to make one that goes down in legacy and in history as well. So we're all moving forward now. We talked about the site. We talked about, you know, the other elements of the deal that needs to be done. And we both agreed we need to start moving forward, start papering this, start dotting the I's and crossing the T's and get this boxed in for 2021. When do you think in your heart of hearts it will happen and where? I think next summer. I think there'll be two next year. Um, you know, again, look, everybody knows you from you to me, from AJ to Fury. We'd love this fight to take place in the UK. It's a fight between two Brits for the undisputed heavyweight world championship. But there is so much interest from around the world that, you know, I do believe one of these fights will take place outside of the UK. And I'm happy to do one out, one in, one out. But I, I would really be disappointed if we couldn't do one of those in the UK. But ultimately. You know, the fighters, their close team, they'll all make a collective decision. Whilst I want it in the UK, I just want the fight. You know, I want the fight. I want to see AJ become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And wherever it is, listen, even if it's here, it'll be super special. So you're dealing with Bob Aram. What about Frank Warren, your UK rival? He's mm. kicking off again on July the 10th. He's saying he's going to have something every single week from... The BT studios will be watching with interest and what do you think he'll provide? I think it's great. I think anybody that comes back in this environment needs to be commended. You know, Frank, Bob, all these guys, you know, it's not easy. You know, we don't have gates anymore. You know, the revenue's been brought down considerably. It's much harder to make these fights. So my hat's off to everybody that's pushing hard to make boxing flourish again. Um, you know, it, it will work for some people, it won't work for others. Some people will get it right, some people will get it wrong, but you can't knock anyone for trying. And anyone that is trying to keep boxing flying, keep boxing buzzing, I'm all for supporting them. Behind closed doors here, but Frank's not too far away. He might wander down and have a little look at how it works. Yeah, yeah, well, he can see a real show. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you talk about boxing behind closed doors, some people are used to that. What about the rest of your big names? Um, Thinking Billy Joe Saunders, 
that's when it's yeah that's when Callum, it's yeah. Smith where that's are that's when we it all? starts getting really difficult you know and I'll be on to you about that in due course but you know we, what I'm trying to do here is get fight camp done four great weeks of boxing then when we come back in early September hopefully we're back in arenas with some kind of crowds then we've got the others to deal with you know everything from Ritson against Vasquez to Selby Cambosis to Josh Kelly Avenesian to Callum Smith to Josh Warrington to Billy Joe Saunders to Usyk Chisora to Anthony Joshua. It's a bit oh, of a backlog, God. isn't it? <laughs> Just slightly. <laughs> and when I put it like that, yeah, especially. So listen, we'll get through it. A few we'll get through there. it. It's going to be expensive. We're going to lose money. But you know what? It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's why we've built such a great business over the last few years is to be able to, to withstand this pressure, to be able to deal with peaks and troughs and swings in the economy. It's going to be brutal. But we'll be okay. We, we won't give up without a fight. Do you think Canelo will pick one of the Brits? Probably not, because I think they'll be too expensive. You know, when you're losing eight or ten million on the gate, not being there, you need to find a way where that, that you know where you're going to save that money. Canelo might take a little bit less, but they're going to need a cheaper opponent. But at the same time, the broadcasters are going to want to make sure that it's a real fight. It's, it's very difficult to keep everybody happy. The broadcasters, or certainly we, have wanted one fight that's eluded us over the last five, six, seven years, and that's. Kelbrook mm. and Amir Khan. Who knows what either of them are doing at the moment or what they want to do? Can you? Yeah, give us Kel, look, on that? Kel's all systems go trying to land that Crawford fight. You know, that's the one he wants. I'm not sure whether that will come into fruition, but there's been no discussions about Khan against Brook. But, you know, maybe this is the time where people just go, oh, do you know what? Let's do it. Um, but we need crowds. You know, we need crowds for Warrington against Kanzu. We need crowds for Billy Joe Saunders against Callum Smith. We really need crowds for Usyk Chisora and Joshua Pulev, so hopefully they'll be back sooner rather than later. Do you think Brook will land that Crawford fight? I think he'll be too expensive at the moment. You know, I think uh, Bob Arum's going to want to cut the purses of fighters, his fighters, and the opponents. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure that'll get over the line. Nassim Hamad uh, in the news at the moment because his uh, his son, I think it's his middle son, is turning a professional. Adam in the uh, in the trade. What do we think of him? What do we think of the story? Have you got any? Interest oh, I've not there? seen him fight, but it's a great story. I mean, look, you've seen Connor Ben with us. He's fantastic. Chris Eubank Jr. has been great entertainment over the years. And and again, Nazi's son. Let's see what he's got. Let's get him out. It's hard for anybody to follow in the footsteps of a successful father. I've, I've had to do it as well. It's never easy. You know, you're always Barry Earn's son or Chris Eubank's son or Nigel Ben's son until you make your own way and you make them become Eddie Earn's dad or Connor Ben's dad. That's the nice thing to try and be able to do. And all those guys are great fighters and I wish him all the best as well. So what are we going to get here in, uh, in August in this uh, beautiful patch with the city in the background? This is, of course, where you grew up, Eddie. And I mean, it's, it must be very odd. <laughs> it is odd, but it's exciting. It's a dream come true. And I wanted to bring something back that was different, you know, not in a dingy studio, something with drama, something with intensity, something that can motivate the fighters, something that the worldwide broadcasters can look at and say, look at Matchroom. They're pushing the boundaries once again. Entertaining fights, 50-50 matchup, career-defining moments, British, Commonwealth, European, World Championship fights, all here, Fight Camp, live on Sky Sports. Health and safety, paramount, and that's all going to be taken care of absolutely been dealing with the british boxing border control for the last three or four months making sure everything's spot on from testing to our hotel down the road keeping everybody into isolation ppe social distancing now we hope over the next few weeks that's going to relax but everything that we've got set in place as is if these fights were happening tomorrow final message to the fans out there who have been starved of boxing for so long we're back support these shows we hope you enjoy it we've put a lot of work in trying to make this as exciting 
um, you know, as different, as fresh as possible. Let's get fight camp done. Let's invest our time in it. Let's find out about the fights. Let's support the fighters. And then we'll be back to normal before you know it.